Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. To learn more about the program and our church, when you visit walkintruth.com or you can download the Free Living Truth app. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 33 called, Woe to You, O Destroyer. So the sinners in Zion are afraid. This is the New King James back in Isaiah 33, 14. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. You can imagine on that day, a lot of hypocrites who have know, know they've been acting and see the Lord return. It's gonna be a scary day. Who among us shall dwell with a devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? Do you want the answer to the question? Well, here it is, verse 15, Isaiah 33. He who walks righteously and speaks with sincerity, he who rejects unjust gain, 33.15, and shakes his hand so that they hold no bribe, he who stops his ears from hearing about bloodshed and shuts his eyes from looking upon evil. Here's the NIV. This is the one who will endure his presence and coming. He who walks righteously and speaks what is right, who rejects gain from extortion, keeps his hand from accepting bribes, who stops his ears against plots of murder, and shuts his eyes against contemplating evil. These are all signs, not that good works save you. These are all signs that you are changing. These are all signs that you are changing. Are you changing? This is what sanctification is all about, right? It's about change into what? Into a fall, from a fallen human being who really is godless into the image of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've thought about this before, but that's a long distance away from each other. Have you thought about that? It's a pretty long journey from I don't know the Lord and I don't know who he is and I'm a sinner and I live for myself to being conformed in the image of Jesus Christ. It's a pretty good distance. That's why sanctification is called a process and that should give us hope. And what we say in the church because we know how the gospel works is good works do not save us but good works show that we are saved. So if someone claims to be a Christian and they're taking bribes, and they're extorting money, and they are involved in all kinds of shady stuff, then when we look at their lives, we say, boy, the gospel's really making an impact on you. Yeah, well, business is business. Church is church. It's like, I'm Italian Catholic. Most of you know that. I always get a kick out of, in a weird, funny way, the mafia movies. They shoot up all these guys on a Saturday night, kill all these people, and they're in church the next morning making the sign of the cross and, you know, the holy water and all that. Yeah, that's doing you a lot of good. You have to rotate through the confessional about 75 times, right? See, that's the point. God's saying, look, Israel, here you are, my people, and you're at this point in your life because this is you. This is what you do. You sit there and claim that you know me, and yet your behavior is just like everybody else. You compartmentalize your life, and you say, well, I can do this over here, but yet I'm a Christian. And God says, if you want to be in my presence, then change. And anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And we are his ambassadors, as though God were pleading through us. See, change is inherent to a Christian. There is no Christian who's not producing some sort of fruit. Do you have seasons where it's a little less? Do you have some times when you take a step back? Sure. But there's going to be some evidence of your Christianity in your life. And Paul says, then take the test and see if you pass the test. 
there's only really one test you need to pass is Christ in you. That's 2 Corinthians 13.5. That's the only test that's going to matter on that day. And when you stand before God, what's the question going to be if there is a question? Do you know my son? Have you received the gift of salvation at the cross? That's going to be the question. And so God says, if you want to be with me, then these are going to be some things that are reflected in your life. Example, do you remember Joseph's story? Sold into slavery by his brothers. There he is. Now he finally ends up in Potiphar's house, probably after about 14 years in prison. It came about, Genesis 39.7, listen to it. After these events, that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph. She gave him the look. I'm reading from the scriptures, Genesis 39.7. And she said, lie with me. But he refused, and he said to his master's wife, Behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. He has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I. He has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. Remember Joseph's words? How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? When Joseph is propositioned, he says, look, first and foremost, my behavior, my duty is vertical. It's to God first. I'm going to mention Potiphar because he's obviously treated me well. But how can I do this and sin against God? And when we're faced with difficult situations, and we all are, we're all going to be tempted. To be tempted is not evil. We all get tempted. Hopefully we don't put ourselves in temptation. But when we are, we got to first of all think vertically. First of all, think about the honor of your father. Remember who you belong to. The church used to say that <clears throat> one of the graces of the church was whenever you were faced with a sin, look at the end of the road and see where that sin is going to take you before you start taking steps down the road. Now, how many of us can say, okay, I've been down this certain road myriads of times and every time I get to the end of that road, I hit my head on that same wall, okay? So it would behoove us before we step down it again, it's going to be different this time. I just know it. I'm going to duck when I get to that wall. So you go down that same road again. And what happens? Boom. You have one of those bumps on your head like a little kid learning to walk. They always have this big bruise, you know. How you doing, man? Learning how to walk. This is, this is truth for Christians, right? Sometimes we walk into church and there's a big goose egg right here. Learning how to walk. Yeah. Right? That's honest. But the church has said, look, at some point... Why don't you just stop at the beginning of the road and look down there and say, do I really want to go there again? Because often when we go there, what happens is we are beat up, we feel guilty before God, we got to do all this repair stuff, and, and God's saying, why don't you stop that? Now, those who will uh, dwell in the presence of the Lord, he will dwell on the heights. This is verse 16. His refuge will be the impregnable rock if you... Walk with the Lord, trust in the Lord, know the Lord. His bread will be given him. His water will be sure. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. And your eyes, look at verse 17, what will happen? Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. All of a sudden, have you ever noticed that Sometimes when you get to know the Lord and you've been walking with him for a while, you, your eyes start to change. I used to play racquetball with this attorney and he came across as a typical attorney and he's pretty annoying. And every time there was a close call, 
he would always try to make an argument that, you know, either his shot was good or our shot was bad. No, 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 I saw that. I've got 2015. And he always claimed he had 2015 vision, you know. I've got this kind of vision, and, and, I, and he would just argue like an attorney. And he'd go, all right, we'll play it over again. So we go to the smoothie bar one day, and I take out my wallet, and I notice that he's peering into my wallet. And I'm like, hey, what are you doing? And he said, aha! And I said, what? He said, corrective lenses. That's what your license says. You have to wear corrective lenses. He said, I would destroy you in a court of law. I'm like, yeah, but you're a liar anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but anyway. Sometimes we need new eyes. Do you remember Moses when he's up on the mountain and he's gotten close to God and he represents a nation, but when the nation looks at Sinai, what they see is a consuming fire. And remember, they say, we don't even go near that mountain, Moses. You go talk to him and tell us what he said, okay? I'm not going anywhere. And God said, put up boundaries. You know, if an animal even touches that mountain, they're dust, right? So the people say, okay, you go, Moses. Well, when Moses is up on that mountain, do you remember his, what he asked of God? He said, Lord, show me your glory. And the Lord says, you can't see my face and live, Moses, but I will allow my glory to pass by you. And the Hebrew has the idea, I will let my goodness or beauty pass by you. See, Moses had gotten to a point where he saw God differently than the group did. You understand what I'm saying? He saw God. He had a close-up relationship with God. He didn't fear God from a distance, although he had a healthy fear of God, like the people did because the people were so busy messing up. But he was close to God, and he saw God for who he really was, and he wanted to know more of that. And that's what I'm discovering in my Christian walk. I don't know about you. The more I walk with the Lord, the more I want to see his beauty. There's like there's nothing in life that compares. Can you imagine being in the sandals of Moses and being able to say to God, Lord, Would you just give me a glimpse? It's like the desire of my heart. And I think when Moses came down from the mountain, he was never the same again after that day. And I think that's what happens to us. And God's saying, Israel, when you get this stuff right, when your life is aligned with me, when you're filled with my presence, you're gonna see, your eyes will see, 17, the king and his beauty. And they will behold a far distant land. And I think here the language is a spacious land. Remember earlier we read about no travelers. The land is desolate. The armies are there. Now God says, not only are you going to see the king and his beauty, but you're going to see the land the way it was supposed to be. You're going to see a spacious land, the land of Israel, the original land that God had given. And you're going to see it without army and without uh, you know, being blocked and being you know, not able to see the beauty of everything. And I, I'll tell you, I, years ago... When I moved to Corona, I was at the gym one morning, and uh, I was doing my normal thing. I went to the gym, and my family was at home, and I came away from the gym, and uh, I turned on a news station, and I heard that there were plane crashes over Corona. And I looked in the distance, and there was smoke near where my house was. And so I heard two, uh, two single-engine planes have crashed over Corona, and parts of the planes have fallen and there's, there's some people that are in jeopardy. And, and so I'm listening to the news report. And of course, the first thing I think of, I look in the distance, I see the smoke and I think, oh my goodness. And I start taking inventory. What did I say to my wife before I left? Did I tell the kids I love them? Did I kiss them? Did I, you know, and so I picked up my cell phone and I called my number and it was, eh, 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 eh. and then you start going through all these things, right? And all of a sudden my sight line was changed and I'm like, oh God, did I, what did I say to her? And, I, and then I called back three or four times and finally the call went through and my lovely wife picked up the phone. You, you want to think that I had new eyes that day? I did. So I've been, I drove, I drive down this street quite often. There's some beautiful trees there. 
an area of border. A lot of you guys have seen those trees that kind of overhang. And I was thinking, sometimes in life, we just need to change our sight line. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. So I've been, I, drove, I drive down this street quite often. There's some beautiful trees there, an area of border. A lot of you guys have seen those trees that kind of overhang. And I was thinking, sometimes in life, we just need to change our sight line. Have you ever been in that mode where you're just, you got tunnel vision? Now, I got to do this next thing. This is what I'm going to do next. I got to do this. I got to do that. And then something slaps you across the face, and you just start looking at the trees and the birds, and you just say, what is my problem? I, sometimes I go out in my front yard and I say, you know, I haven't noticed that view for months and I live at that house. And I don't look at it and people come over and they have to remind me the view that, that we have. Hey, this is cool. And then I go, oh yeah, that's, it is kind of cool. We have that view there. See, we will see the king, the land, Your heart, verse 18, will meditate on terror. (laughs) Maybe this hits closer to home. We're going back now to that image of the army, and we're almost done. Where is he who counts? Where is he who weighs? Where is he who counts the towers? NIV will help us. In your thoughts, you will ponder the former terror. That's added by the translators, but it helps. You will say in your mind, where is that chief officer? Where is the one who took the revenue? Where is the officer in charge of the towers? 2 Kings 24 suggests, as one commentator, that maybe one official listed those who were destined for captivity, another weighed and recorded the spoil, and a third made the inventory of buildings for demolition. How scary is that? Imagine that you're standing there and they're saying, okay, this is what we'll do with this. We'll burn that building. We'll take him. Yeah, he looks good. We'll take them. Uh, We're going to kill them. Imagine if you were standing there with your family. And God's saying, you know what? When you return to me, your heart that meditated on that terror, on that what if, what are they going to do to me now? What are they going to do to me? It'll be a distant memory. You will no longer, 19, see a fierce people, a people of unintelligible speech. When the Assyrians showed up, they spoke a different language. Can you imagine an army descending? There you are in your homeland near your temple and they're speaking a different language and you know that it's not good what they're saying. They're planning your demise and you can't even understand what they're saying, but you know, oh my goodness. This is what they're plotting. Will you no longer see a fierce people, this people of unintelligible speech, middle of 19, which no one comprehends, of a stammering tongue which no one understands. Look upon Zion, the city of our appointed feast. Here's your new eyes. Your eyes shall see Jerusalem, an undisturbed habitation. When I went to Israel in 2006, one of the highlights of the trip was you come down from the area of the north in Galilee and you finally get to Jerusalem, which is in the south part of Israel. And when you come, they they allow you to be kind of across the um, Kidron Valley and you're you're in the area of the Mount of Olives and and you stand and you get to see Jerusalem and, and you look at it from a distance before you experience it close up. And when you see Jerusalem, your heart, there's something about your heart that is just amazing. And so your your guide is there. And there's a cemetery up on the slope of the Mount of Olives. 
And he says, do you know how much these burial plots cost? And people start asking questions, and it's big money. And he said, you know, these are all bought up. And, and people who have been buried here have been buried with their feet facing the Temple Mount. And someone asked the question, why? Because when the resurrection happens at the return of the Lord, they want to be the first ones to see Jesus. That's the idea. And there you are. You're looking at Jerusalem, and you're thinking, as you, if you know a little bit of biblical history and history, you say, oh my goodness, how many times has this place been the center of all kinds of destruction and temple went up and then it went down people were right with god and then they were wrong again and armies came through and thrashed the place and wicked kings rose up and this and that and you look at the city today and you say goodness here are two muslim shrines sitting on the temple mount there you are in the middle of israel and you're saying god what a history there is here and it was all dependent upon what whether or not the people would decide to be faithful to their God. And then I sometimes wonder, I wonder if someday someone will tell the story of our country. And I wonder what they will say. And I wonder what they will look at on that day. I wonder what they will say about us, about the stability of our times, whether or not we truly planted our our flag on Yahweh or we said, you know what, God, uh, we'll take you on our terms and our country will be just fine and we'll rewrite history and you'll have nothing to do with it. Well, this undisturbed habitation will be a tent which shall not be folded. It's permanent. It speaks of God's presence. Its stakes shall never be pulled up, nor any of its cords be torn apart. But there the majestic one, the Lord, shall be for us, a place of rivers and wide canals on which no boat with oars shall go. Nothing will come at us militarily on sea and on which no mighty ship shall pass. Land or sea is the idea. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. I would say to you, Bible students, that the way that we experience salvation is if those three things are true. Is the Lord our judge? Judge has the idea of leader and decider like the book of Judges. Is the Lord our lawgiver? That speaks of daily legislating uh, morality and what's right. Is the Lord our king? If he is those three things, then he will save us. That's what's needed. Your tackle hangs slack. 23. It cannot hold the base of its mass firmly. Now we get a shipping illustration to illustrate Israel, nor spread out the sail. Then the prey of an abundant spoil will be divided. The lame will take the plunder. Let me read the NIV. And maybe this will resonate with you because this is kind of a picture of the nation. Your rigging hangs loose. The mast is not held secure. The sail is not spread. In other words, the boat is kind of beat up and torn apart. This is the aftermath. This is the difficulty of following your own way. Then the prey of an abundant spoil will be divided. And notice this, even though the boat's beat up and everything's kind of broken loose from it, the lame will take the plunder. And no resident on that day will say, I am sick. The people who dwell there will be forgiven their iniquity. God will forgive his people and no longer will there be sickness and dying and so forth. I don't know how your ship feels these days. I don't know how strong the mass feels. I don't know how the riggings feel. I don't know if you feel a little beat up. I don't know if you feel like you got some holes in the ship right now. I don't know if you feel a little leaky. I don't know where you're at in your walk, but I know this. If you know Jesus Christ, you're going to take the plunder and carry it off despite how you feel, how your body's functioning right now. You are in the uh, role of the victor. And no resident of that city who knows God as lawgiver, judge, and king will ever say again in that day, and I think we're talking about the millennial kingdom, I am sick, 
The people who dwell there, and this is you if you know Christ, will be forgiven their iniquity. If you know Jesus, you're a forgiven person tonight. And that's the glory because now we are in right standing with God. All our sins have been washed away, carried off. If I could use the analogy of the sail and the ship, it's like God has carried away our sins in his boat. They're off. They've gone into the distant sunset, never to be seen again, buried in the deepest part of the sea. And on that day when he returns, we will be saying, come Lord Jesus. My redemption draws near. We will be with our king. We will see what Moses longed to see. We will see God's face. Amen? And our iniquity has been carried away because Jesus took it at the cross. You've been listening to Woe to You, O Destroyer, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 33. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also be able to listen to Pastor Michael's teaching in Revelation, Job, and many more. Again, search for and follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, we have a word of encouragement in Isaiah 33, and it's about a person who takes the righteous path. Uh, Old Testament language is filled with this kind of thing, and it's the idea of one who will take the road, the high road, if you will, will follow the king. Now today, of course, we have a new covenant, and Jesus Christ has paid the ransom debt in full, but it is still our call to walk with him. Here's one of the beautiful promises uh, I see in Isaiah 33, and I want to just read it to you and just let you um, dwell on it, let it percolate in your soul. It talks about this person who trusts in the Lord, walks with him. He will dwell on the heights. His refuge will be on the impregnable rock. His bread will be given him. His water will be sure. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. That's Isaiah 33, 16 and 17a. You know, I, I think about this because we've had all this stuff going on in the world. We've had war going on. We've had shaky times. We've had uh, moral, uh, we, we've gone down the depths of moral chaos, to be honest. I mean, let's face it. Our nation is filled with moral chaos. But the beauty is that when you trust in Jesus Christ, you get restored. And he returns beauty for ashes. You can recapture moral beauty even if you've fallen to sin. In fact, the Bible teaches if anybody be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. This is really what we need. We don't need a Band-Aid. We need to be remade. (laughs) And the good news is that the God of the Bible has done just that. He allows us to be born again to a living hope. He who began a good work in us will complete it. And one day what we are in spirit, we will become in body as well. As we get a new redeemed body, new heavens and a new earth, behold, I make all things new. God is so good. Despite the uh, times that we're in and how shaky things can be, he is our impregnable rock. Well, I wanted to thank everybody who attended the Dare to Defend Apologetics Conference the weekend of March 25th, 26th. What a blessed time. What a great time of equipping for all of you who have participated or in any way supported, prayed, 
partnered with this ministry. We just want to say a big thank you. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth, and we are a ministry that's all about the truth. I pastor a church called Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. If you ever want to come and visit us, we would love to have you be part of our worship services. And uh, as we teach the Word of God, we're teaching through the book of Philippians right now on Sunday mornings and Exodus on Wednesday nights. It's been amazing uh, times in the Word of God. And as you are listening to this broadcast, we are going through the book of Isaiah. And we're going to talk about two roads in the coming uh, chapters of Isaiah 34 and 35. And, to, and really, these are judgment passages. And we'll be talking about the day of the Lord and some things that relate to that and how we do often need a wake-up call, no doubt. And, we, you know, here we are, brethren, right? I mean, looking around the world, we need a wake-up call. We need a wake-up call in our country as well to come back to the Lord. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Amen and amen. Well, tune in and listen tomorrow. God bless you. We're so glad you're uh, partnering and walking with us through the book of Isaiah, and we'll catch you right here, Lord willing, tomorrow. And just a reminder that this is a listener-supported ministry. Would you consider becoming a partner for just $5 a month? We're blessed to know that the teachings reach thousands of listeners like you every weekday through our radio partners and through the podcast. We could use your help for the price of a cup of coffee. If you've learned something from Pastor Michael's teaching, or if you've been encouraged, please help others like you. Visit walkintruth.com to donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapters 34 and 35 called The Two Roads. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.